Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on a holy nation, part two. I want to uh, jump in today somewhat where we left off last week. I want to do a little recap before we get into today. But last week we talked about becoming a holy nation. A holy nation. And uh, many people will suppose you know what that means and what my agenda is with that statement. I have learned pretty much no matter what you say, people will assume you mean certain things. And so sarcasm also does not translate very well over, <laughs> over, <laughs> over most social media formats. I have learned... And so, um, there you go. A holy nation. We need a holy nation. Some of you will say, yeah. But it's not the nation that you think I'm talking about. It's the nation within a nation. We are a holy nation within a nation. And our responsibility is our holy nation within a nation. And um, I want to uh, just kind of look back at a little bit. We looked at Luke chapter 19 when Jesus had the encounter with Zacchaeus, the wee little man. A wee little man was he. And... Jesus had the encounter with him on his way to Jerusalem, right? And after his encounter going home and having tea with Zacchaeus, having lunch with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give half of all that I have to the poor, and I'm going to return four times what I've stolen back to who I have done wrong, because Zacchaeus was over tax collectors, right? Now, all the disciples and the people with Jesus thought, because after Zacchaeus said that, Jesus said, today, salvation has come to your house. And they were almost to Jerusalem, so all the disciples assumed that if today salvation has come, that means we're establishing the kingdom of God in Jerusalem. We're going to overthrow the government, and we'll finally have a holy nation, right? Because that's how salvation comes, is through the government, right? And so Jesus said, that's not how this works. And he told the parable about the master that went away and entrusted his servants with a sum of money. And the ones that used that sum of money wisely, see how much better I did today in recapping, avoiding all of talent minus stuff, see? Aren't you happy? Okay. Gave them a sum of money, and, and based on how they stewarded that, what they were entrusted with was how much influence and authority they ended up having over cities, over territories, over regions and realms, right? It had nothing to do with the establishment of government. It had to do with stewarding the kingdom, And as we steward the kingdom, we will gain influence over regions and territories. 
and thus the kingdom will be established and lives will be changed. And so we read that story and I made one point to you last week and I'll just touch it real quick. They did not enact a law that said give back to everyone you stole from four times over. They did not legislate that Zacchaeus must give half of what he had to the poor. All right? That was something that happened out of the abundance of the heart. Salvation came. Righteousness came out. There did not have to be a law to make righteousness come to Zacchaeus' house. Are you with me? It just came. If we're waiting for a law to come to bring righteousness, we're going to be waiting a long time because you can't legislate righteousness. And so we went on to 1 Peter chapter 2 where it says we're God's chosen treasure, (coughs) priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you're drenched with it. Somebody should just probably shout right there. Say, thank you, Jesus. There you go. Come on. Somebody has to be excited about being drenched in mercy. My goodness. My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world, I appeal to you to divorce yourselves from the evil desires that wage war within you. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers, for they will see your beautiful works and have reason to glorify God in the day he visits. They will see your beautiful works and have reason to glorify God in the day he visits. Resident, a spiritual nation, resident aliens, foreigners in this world. We're a nation of foreigners and aliens in this world. This is a quote from Exodus 19. Remember, we learned that last week. I wasn't the only one that didn't know it before I studied because nobody raised their hand. 1 Peter 2, 9 is a direct quote from Exodus 19. This was initially spoken to the Israelites that there'll be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, his own possession among the people. But we got invited in. We now get to be a part of the holy nation, right? It's exciting. John 17, we see that we're in the world, but not of the world. He sent us into the world, but not to be of the world, right? We're not of the world trying to get heaven to respond. We're of heaven evangelizing the world till the world looks like heaven. And so the world is... A course of this world, you were dead, Ephesians 2. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. You walked according to the course of this world. The world is a way of thinking. It's a course that's at enmity with God. That's the world that we're not of. We're just 
in. And so I'd like to pick up in part two today, Acts 17. If you're turning there, you can turn there. If you're typing in your phone, you can type there. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Bible. Did you guys get the image that I sent today as well? Awesome. I didn't know where to put that. I just put it in a random place. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully they'll find it. If not, it's okay. <clears throat> the God who made the world, starting in verse 24, Acts 17, and everything in it that is in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands. Does not dwell in temples made by hands. Sometimes we get real excited about doing away with the legalism of the temples. Right? No? Is anybody excited that the veil was rent and now we can come boldly to the throne of grace? <laughs> you excited about that? Are you excited that the Ten Commandments didn't turn into 600 and something that the religious scholars had come up with in the New Testament, but those have been abolished in that manner? Are you excited about that? So we're excited that he dwells in us and we don't have to go to a temple to encounter him. Aren't you excited that a high priest doesn't just get to go in once a year and make atonement for you, but you can come boldly to the throne of grace? I thought you just didn't understand what I was saying, but now you do. <clears throat> Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. So we're excited to do away with the temple and say he doesn't need a temple to govern his people. But we're not excited to do away with a party. Pray for me today. I meant to pray before we started today. Some people say that if you're not political enough as a pastor and you don't take very strong political stands that you're what they say is a limp-wristed pastor, I've heard say, and you're seeker-sensitive and you're focused on building a church. Well, I would say that in the Bible Belt, in a red state, this church would grow faster if I would just get on board the political system, wouldn't it? I've said before, I believe the itching ears of today are not ears that are listening for everything goes. I believe they're ears that are listening for, let's hate everybody that don't think like us. I really believe people are itching to hear that. That's what we want license to do. It says in the last day, many will become offended and go away. People want a license to be offended, and they're looking for people who will give them that license. So I'd say it takes more boldness for me to stand up today and say what I'm about to say than to say what everybody thinks I should say. I love everybody. You're covered by my love. Come on. We are the world. Come on. Come on. 
So make sure. <laughs> I don't hate anybody. I'm not upset with anybody today. But I am concerned. I am concerned. I'm concerned about me. I'm concerned about my family. I'm concerned about you, and I'm concerned about your family. Collectively, I'm concerned about our faith family, and I'm concerned about our community, and I'm concerned about our city. I'm concerned about our state and the nation and the nations of the world. I'm concerned. And it has nothing to do with anything that's happening in the political landscape. It's more how we view and how much faith we put into the political landscape that I'm concerned about. He does not dwell in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might feel around for him. Another translation says, grope in the darkness and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Each one of us. Who is each one of us? Every nation. Think God is up there sitting around in heaven right now, concerned about America, like what's going to happen? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? Did I get this right? Did I get the right? Oh, what's going on? No respecter of persons. He's looking at Venezuela. He's looking at Brazil. He's hearing the cries from the underground church of China. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he is working and moving as he always does. Every nation of mankind, he set the boundaries of their habitation and appointed their times. Again, I'm not upset with anybody. I appreciate the thought. I appreciate the heart behind it. But what is wrong with us if we need someone to tell us that God is still on the throne? Did someone really begin to doubt whether or not God was on the throne because of something that man can do in a nation? The arrogance, the arrogance that it takes. See, during worship, I just saw God's kingdom is above all other kingdoms. And he's made us to sit with him in heavenly places. Yet we literally act like we're people under a kingdom 
and we have to somehow break through to try to appeal to God that he can still help us and redeem us and lead us. We should be weathering every storm like he's weathering every storm. Oh, what's happening down there? Oh, those silly men. Oh, those silly people. Oh, those silly political parties. Don't they know that they're all corrupt? Do you want to walk into your house every four years and look into the eyes of your small children and see despair on their face because you've, you've indoctrinated them that only God can move if a certain political party wins? Hey, my daughter texts me. Oh, Biden, Dad, I'm discouraged. I failed. I failed. If my little child is discouraged about what God can do in her life in this world that she's not of, that she's an alien and a stranger in, I failed. I've exalted man's kingdom over God's. And I've somehow let my children put trust in man's system over God. I never want to do that again. Ever. I never want to do that again. I don't want to look at my children. I don't want to look at my friends. I don't want to have to pump people up after election day and tell them we're going to be okay. Amen. I don't have to walk on eggshells. <laughs> it's one thing to have it right in your theology. I believe I've been preaching to the last two weeks when we had our 24 hours of prayer we had a pre-election victory party because it has absolutely nothing to do with the election whether or not we have victory, so we just went ahead and had a pre-election victory party. And this morning, that first song, my goodness. Hey, oh, let the king of glory. I don't know all the words. If I did, it'd be so cool if I said them right now, wouldn't it? Because they were really good. <laughs> mm, I got to, hey, oh, that's why they put those in songs for people like me to have something to sing. <laughs> Look, y'all are laughing. You still love me. I'm looking around like some of you are laughing. Awesome. Some of you are laughing because you love me. Some of you are laughing because you're like, bless his heart. <laughs> we know what that means in Alabamese. I'm not telling you not to have an opinion. I'm not telling you to not feel strongly about your opinion. I'm not telling you to do whatever you feel is necessary to see that 
come to pass. But I'm telling you, it should be on a scale of many other things in your life. There should never be a thought that it's the end of the world. We have lots of opinions, you know? But if Popeyes quit selling their chicken sandwich tomorrow, are we going to feel like it's the end of the world? Seriously, guys, are we staking our whole life on something that is down here? Is that idolatry? For in him we live and move and exist. <laughs> Even as some of our own poets have said, for we are his descendants, therefore, since we are the descendants of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by human skill and thought. So having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now proclaiming to mankind that people everywhere are to repent. He overlooked our times of ignorance making things that weren't divine, divine. But now it's time to repent. Because he has set a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all people by raising him from the dead. I want to correct my statement from last week. I said we are to be a nation within a nation. That still has a, has a scent, has a fragrance of nationalism. Like the focus of our nation within the nation is the nation. I would go further today and say the focus of our nation is not even our nation, but it's the nation's. We are a nation within the nations, period. And our nation is made up of people from every nation. And together we are trying to transform all the nations until the nations of this world, the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of our God. If not now, when will political systems fall? Do we really think that when the nations, the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of our God, that he's going to choose one of the parties? Do you think he's going to say, okay, now that we're going to rule and reign on the earth, we're going to do it as Democrats. We're going to do it as Republicans. So one day, this whole idea that it's going to be a nation under God, a holy nation, a holy nation, we need a holy nation, it's not going to be under a political party. Pray, fast, do everything you want to do, but I'm telling you, if you are desperate and you're despairing your soul and you're trying to hunger, starve, you're trying to hunger, fast, God... 
because you're so afraid that if it doesn't happen this way, you're going to be destitute. That doesn't move the heart of God. But it reveals the condition of your soul and what you've put your confidence in. Man, what you're saying today sounds lazy. It's not lazy. It's focused. Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations. Not go and make one nation the nation. Yeah, I don't like this. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you. And never forget, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, we're ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Just 2 Corinthians 5, 20, what we just read, it says directly through our lips. And when I read that, I couldn't help but to think back. of the lips that need to be cleansed by coal. If we want him to do things directly through our lips, we need lips that have been cleaned and purified. How does a man speak blessing and cursing from the same mouth? Acts 8, 4 through 8 says, although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went. Philip traveled to a Samaritan city. That's a bad city. Depending on your persuasion, that's a blue city or a red city. and preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. The crowds were eager to receive Philip's message at the city of his enemy. But they didn't have a choice but to be eager to hear his message. Why? And were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. This resulted in an uncontainable joy filling the city. These are the riotous cities. Turned to a city that was full of joy. Uncontainable. 
Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel is what fills the city with joy. The gospel, not the gospel according to the red, not the gospel according to the blue, not the gospel according to Facebook, not the gospel according to your favorite news station, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And we can't control their choice either way. All we can control is whether we preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. We only hate people that we can't control. Why can't we just tell them the gospel and let them choose? And if they choose wrong, pray for mercy that they'll be given another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. Don't assess and assign and seal the judgment on their life. Refrain from dusting your feet off and washing your hands off. Hold out. Keep going. He said if they don't receive you, dust your feet off. But he didn't say how long you had to try. So I'm saying keep trying and tell them the gospel. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. You think if these signs were following those that believe, we would have a concern about a political party in our nation? You think we would need somebody to tell us what's right and what's wrong? The world would know what was right. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We're no longer Jews and Gentiles, bond and free. We have all received the gospel, the power of God for salvation. I love it in the Passion. It says, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I'm thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first, and then people everywhere. They were scattered. They were scattered by persecution. Look at John 16. Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered This is Jesus talking to the disciples right before he leaves them. 
Behold, the hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. The things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. You will be scattered, each one to his own home. What's the greatest frustration? We can't control our country. We can't control it. That's really our frustration. We can't control it. Wherever, whichever way you lean, you can't control it. It's frustrating that you can't control it. We can't control California. That's one we love to pick on. We can't control our neighbor. We can't control that person on Facebook that likes to always agitate us. We can't control them. Actually, you can. There's <laughs> buttons you can push just to help you unless you like to fight too. You probably do. That's why you keep doing it. <laughs> I post once a year and regret it. I just use Facebook to stalk everybody. <laughs> my, my sermon went away, guys. We're in trouble right now. Now's the time to pray. But we can't control people. But he's saying you're going to be scattered. I just thought this was beautiful. This just leapt out to me this week. You're going to be scattered to your home. It's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. You're going to be wondering what in the world's going on. Jesus is left by himself. We're not even able to be with him. But he's okay, y'all. Hey, Jesus is okay, everybody. If, if you're real concerned right now, it's Jesus. Oh, Lord, I'm going I, I'm to come through for you. He's okay. But in that time of what's going on, they're scattered to their own home. Hey, I can't control my country. Hey, I can't control other states. I can't even control my neighbor. <laughs> but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord we have been distracted we have been distracted we have made the minor the major and the major the minor If your political party gets in office and the thing that you're fighting for the most, Republicans, abortion, I shouldn't say that mockingly. That's a very awesome thing to fight for. But if that's what it is and you get your way with the nation, 
but your daughter goes and finds a way to get it done illegally. Because you were focused on the wrong thing. What have you won? Scattered to their own homes. It's a beautiful scattering. We saw Philip was scattered to Samaria, right? And it was a beautiful scattering. I pray that our scattering to our own homes will fill our homes like Samaria, full of joy uncontainable. Let us be scattered to our homes. Let us be scattered back to what we should be focused on in our homes. Of course, while you're praying for whatever you're praying for right now to happen, do it, pray it, believe it. Let me turn that off. We got to wrap up. I'm not ready. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Matthew 24, 26. But about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. Verse 37, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. At that time, there'll be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known, if the head of the house had known, come on, as it was in the days of Noah, did the head of Noah's house know? He got his family on the boat and they were saved. And coming in these days, if the head of the house will know, his family will be saved. Scatter yourselves to your homes. If the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready as well. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you don't think he will. I dare us put all of our attention on things that we can't control. That's the absolute definition of futility and abandon the things that God has entrusted us with. If the head of the house had known, if the head of the house had known, he would have been instilling in his children the substance of the kingdom of God so they would not despair because of what happens in a political party. But their faith would be strong. And they would know that in the time of trouble that God is their refuge and their strength. 
and that his kingdom is not shaken and no one has to remind them that he's still on the throne. I want my kids to know and I want to be ahead of the house that knows what time it is. I'll just say, uh, being half, halfway sarcastic the other day, and I made a post about, since the election is so close, we should, just split, we should just split the nation in two and have two nations. And let all the, like, let's, let's just go all in. So if you're red, then be red all the way. Have all red, all Republican everything. If you're Democrat, have all Democrat everything. I literally wrote it in a way my heart is like no sides in it because I'm really sick of it, especially in the church, going back and forth on which one is. So it was really directed to people in the church that are picking sides. So since everyone believes they're superior, then let's just split it in half. Let's do it. Do, do everything down party lines and see what happens in four years, and then we'll have another election and decide which one we want to go with. Sounded great. Obviously, it was just sarcasm. But reflecting on some of the responses just, just gripped me even more. Even that idea is, you know what would happen? God wouldn't bless either one. Because we would still worship man. And men that are worshiped fall and become corrupt. Give us a king, give us a system, give us a, it would fall. We'd put him over God. We believe we finally have it our way and we'd think that that was going to solve all the problems and we'd go take a nap. Wake me up in four years and I'm sure the nation will be perfect then. Our red nation will be great. Our blue nation will be great. Just wake me up when everything's right. And we'd leave it up to men. Corrupt men. There is no amount of, and so I'm thinking, okay, so, man, you take it down to the state. Well, each one, that state is divided by people. They don't want to live in a red state or they don't want to live in a blue state. You still got people that don't get to live the way they want to live, right? So then we have to split each state up, right? Well, then you got people that aren't red or blue. Now, how do they get to live? Then you got to take it down. When you try to take it down to the greatest conference, 17-year-old girl was helping me on this post. Thank you, B. Vickers. But I'm thinking after her post, like, so we just keep it, take it, keep taking it down to the smallest common denominator. And guess what I come up with? As for my house, we will serve the Lord. And as we serve the Lord, we'll become a people that inspires our neighbor to serve the Lord. And then we will multiply and the church will be added to every day and we'll be a nation among the nations. Yeah. 
and the kingdoms of this world be, will become the kingdoms of our God. But you got to take it down even further because you can't even control the people in your house. Right? Even if I'm a dad that, or a head of the house that knows the time, I can't control my kids or my dogs. But I wish I could. Paul says in Romans 7, 15, I'm a mystery to myself. For I want to do what's right, but at the end, I end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. So while I'm picketing against another party, I'm over here doing what I'm condemning. And while I break it down even smaller and I'm trying to lead my family, I'm trying to lead my family and do, tell them to do what's right while I'm doing what's wrong. You see how it's just impossible for us to find a whole lot of ground to stand on higher than others. No, just me. So when I break it down to the lowest common denominator, how does Michael Cox become a nation among the nations? How can Michael Cox be a vessel to transform the kingdoms of this world into the kingdoms of our God? How can I transform my home? How can I transform my family? For any of that, how can I transform my heart by yielding it to the Holy Spirit? By letting him change me. By putting myself on the altar. And being a man of integrity and honor that loves his family well. Will it in turn lead my family to be a family of righteousness? There's so many spouses trying to control their spouse. Done a lot of marriage counseling in my life, and I've very rarely found a marriage that was one person was the problem. But we're trying to control our spouse when we can't even control ourselves. And we're trying to control our kids when we can't even control ourselves. And y'all want to control a nation? Let's be scattered to our homes. Let's be scattered to our prayer closet. Let's be scattered to our place of repentance. Uh, we're going to do something in just a moment. Um, Acts 1, ooh, sorry. Acts 1, 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they began asking him, Lord, is it at this time 
that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is it time? Is it through this party? Is it through this man? Is it through this election? But he said to them, it's not for you to know the periods or time appointed times which the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. Look at this map. Jerusalem, I need a little pointer. You guys see the red Jerusalem? Three quarters of the way up, three quarters of the way over to the right, Jerusalem. In Jerusalem and in Judea, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's like Knoxville and Tennessee. Okay? And then what's the next one he says? Your neighbor that you'd hate. And then what's the next one? The uttermost parts of the world. Today I see it as Jerusalem. Team Cox, Judea. Nobody in this room. But there's some other people that are Samaria. and the people I've never met before in the uttermost parts of the world. That's our focus. Starts here. I want to try to do this in a uniform manner just with, but I would love for us to take communion today scattered to our homes, focused on our homes. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 